Broadcasting live from Business Radio X Studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Learning Insights. Featuring learning professionals, improving performance to drive business results. Welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Learning Insights. I'm your host, Stone Payton, and in the studio with me this morning are producer Alex Shiflett and my good friend and co-host Lee Cantor. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Mr. Stone. Excited about tonight. Big night for us, huh? It is a big deal. You know, we've had a lot of fun working with the Kennesaw State University Entrepreneurship Center, and tonight we're judging a business plan competition. Is that, What are we judging tonight? I think it's like an elevator pitch contest. Okay. I just said yes when I said judging because they always have like, you know, the free little crullers and donuts and right. the coffee and all that. But this and is going to be you're fun. You're kind of judgmental, so this <clears throat> oh, plays I, right along with your personality. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm perfectly suited for this work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this is going to be a fun segment. Uh, of course, this entire show is brought to you by our friends at Training Pros, and they always do such a fantastic job of re, uh, bringing on the air smart, passionate folks who are really uh, committed to their work. And we always learn something about learning every time we do this. This is going to be no exception. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast Director HR Enterprise Technology Group for Serve, Mr. Kevin Richardson. Welcome to the show, man. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, Before we get uh, really into this, can you share a little bit about Fiserv? What do you guys do it for folks? Fiserv is a financial technology company. We basically build all of the um, infrastructure for banks, investment companies, um, loan companies, um, anything to do with moving money around. We move about uh, a little over $1 trillion a, a year around. Those are like Trump-like numbers, right? Yeah, maybe even bigger than Trump. <laughs> so now, how'd you get into it? How'd I get into HR? Yeah. Long story. <laughs> I'll try to make it brief. Um, basically, I was uh, living in Japan. I was there for about seven years. And I was in training and adult education over there and was feeling that, you know, I really need to get into business. So I was looking for companies back here in Atlanta, which is my hometown. Found a Japanese company that was starting up here and just sent them a letter and said, hey think I could help you from Atlanta, know the Japanese culture, know the you know American culture, really think I could help you. And uh, they sent me a fax back about three hours later and said, can you be in Tokyo in two days? And so I went up to Tokyo and interviewed and they said, you know, we'd really love to have you as part of our company. They created a position, um, kind of a general administrative manager position for me, which was great being kind of my first job in business, right. go straight into management. So um, basically as that company grew, my duties kind of coalesced into HR and running the office, managing the office. And I really loved the HR side of things. And so that was the start of the whole journey. And like a lot of people, I fell into HR and never intended to get into HR. When you were a kid, you weren't dreaming. No, I wasn't dreaming about firing people and hiring people. (laughs) Differences in culture. Asian culture, no, Western huge, culture huge when it comes to this kind of stuff. Can you just hit on some of the high points that you've experienced? Well, I, I think the main difference in culture is that, you know, the, the Western culture is a very individualistic cu- culture. Most Asian cultures are very group oriented. So, um, you know, you, you, you don't want to stand out in those countries. You want to be, you know, you want to be part of a group. You want to, you want to do your best for the group. It's just, it's very different. Think a lot of pluses and minuses to that, just as there's a lot of pluses and minuses to our individualistic society. Now, how is it regarding um, kind of taking risks from a culture standpoint there as opposed to in America? Yeah, I'd say that that's a great question. Um, I think that the risks are 
they, they tend to be more calculated in their risks. Um, the the good side about that is that they'll tend to they'll tend to wait longer to see the outcome of their actions. Whereas, so they'll be more patient. They'll be more patient. Once they so, do you know, take an action, they'll right. be more patient to exactly. let it play out. Exactly. If they take a risk, they'll give it, you know, three or four years to see how it goes. Whereas a lot of times I feel like in in, in here it's in, like in, by it's like lunch. If I don't if I don't see my stock price rise right. by lunch, I'm I'm going I'm on out. to the next idea, right. right? So so I think, you know, we tend to jump quicker into risk, but I think they tend to stick stay and stick longer. with it longer, yeah. So is the startup scene as robust? Surely there are differences, but is it as robust on that side of the pond as it is here, or do you know? Yeah, it's actually it's actually interesting. Um, and I haven't been back to Japan for a while, so so take that take that as a grain of salt with what I'm saying is that this is kind of maybe a little bit outdated. But um, I think that there's a lot more small companies in Japan, and they tend to do better than here. I think we tend to kind of go big box. And big box tends to swallow up all of the you know, smaller businesses and the individual businesses. And I think there's a lot more smaller business in Japan. If you walk down a street in Japan, kind of in, an, in a commercial area, you'll see all these kind of little mom and pop. Like a lot of independent. Yeah, a little independent, like a tooling right. shop. You know, there'll be a tooling shop and they may make, you know, one part for Toyota or something like that. And, they, you know, that's all they do. And it's, it's just, it's kind of interesting. Now, what about here where you see it's a little different? Like there's maybe not as many as one shop places, but there's um, like enterprise and independence kind of work together. And especially in land, I'm seeing a lot more of that. Do you see that there as well? Yeah, I think so. Like I said, you know, most of the, um, you'll see a lot of um, larger companies, they'll have a, a whole chain of suppliers who are kind of independent and, and they'll, 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 have multiple layers of suppliers that Honda and, and, and Toyota especially are very much JIT just in time. So mm-hmm. they will have backup suppliers. So they have redundancy yeah. with independence. Yeah. I guess it's even more, they would have to do that more. Yeah, definitely because they're just in time and um, you know, it costs, they Toyota figures that it costs them a, a car every minute. So if you're a supplier of Toyota and you sh- or Honda and you shut them down, they will fine you. They will find you the cost of a car every minute. Wow. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> Retail cost. <laughs> now, you have a great deal of experience with and some real affinity for this whole startup <laughs> scene. Speak to that a little bit, if you will. Yes, I am insane. It's right. That's, that's true. Uh, um, I do love high change environments. Um, you know, if you look back over my history, I started with a startup. I moved to a, a rebuilding of an HR department. I moved to another Japanese startup. Uh, then I moved to a company that was being purchased by a um, venture capital firm to be a standalone company. So I had to start up the whole HR department for that running enterprise. Wow. It had 18 locations, <laughs> 800 employees across the United States. So that was fun. That was exciting. And then I went to a basically another HR restructuring, a company that had bought a, a British company that had bought four American companies and kind of stuck them together and had never really kind of done any kind of transition or integration. And then, uh, where did I go after that? Where, did, <laughs> where, where does this change addiction? Because I mean, you, you don't just accept it; you like embrace it and seek it out. It's yeah, like, I, I think I'm probably I'm not diagnosed officially diagnosed, but I probably have ADHD, <laughs> and um, I, I really I really struggle with like doing the like I um I don't know if you remember the old Charlie Chaplin movie. He was like an auto worker, and he was like on an assembly line. It was called Modern Times, mm-hmm. and his job was basically just to turn one bolt like a a three-quarter turn and that was it that was his job all day long right and if i had to do something like that i I would seriously go go (laughs) really i really go insane um i i need i need to do something different um and you know the challenges that are involved in high change environments are really what attract me and 
the ability to have impact, the ability to see something grow, see something that you're uh, having a daily uh, focus on and see the impact of that and the growth. It's, and you see the actual results. That's you see the, the results, right. yeah, yeah. It's not kind of like you're not a cog in the machine. You're really impacting yeah. the bottom line. I mean, you could you could say like, you know, if I'm on an auto plant factory, I can go to the end of the line and like I, I help build that car. And that, right. you know, that's, that's great. But, you know, for me, I want to see the more immediate impact. And frankly, I like working with people. For me, it's all about relationships and impact. So, you know, being able to affect people, that's why I love coaching so much. Coaching is kind of my dream job would be to just be a full-time coach because I love the impact. I love actually seeing in people's faces when you have an impact on them and when you bring them to a realization or you kind of so are you open getting a door to do for that them. now? I do get to do a lot of coaching. I actually, um, uh, two weeks ago, I actually led a, a class on coaching for all the managers in the, in the group that I support. And it was uh, very, very well What was received. the topic? Coaching. Just you know, So you were teaching them to be coaches? I was coaches? teaching them how to coach, yeah. All right, so let's get some free advice here. <laughs> <laughs> what, are, what are some of the, the basic foundational building Yeah, how can I of, fix Lee? Help me out. Or well, is it like lesson so number one? I, I, I'm, I'm afraid this is probably going to be impossible for you guys because the number one skill for coaching is listening. <laughs> So I'm out. <laughs> I'm done. But but really, yeah, it's 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 the, the ability to listen on multiple layers is to me is to one of is the first key. It's you know because you know when I'm when people are listening to us on the radio, right? They're missing a good bit of the information because they're not seeing our, our body language, right. they're not seeing our facial expressions, they're getting the tone of our voice and they're getting the content of our words, but they're missing a big chunk of it. So it's really. Teaching people that, you know, when you're coaching, don't be in your head thinking about, okay, well, what's the next thing I'm going to say? You know, what am I having for lunch? What does my wife need me to pick up on the way from home? It's really, you know, being intently focused on that person and seeing all of the layers of information that that person is giving you. And then the second big skill for me is questioning. That's, you know, asking those questions that are going to draw the information out of people. A lot of times people will come to me with an issue and after a few minutes, I figure out that's not the issue, right? The issue is something uh, else. It's something deeper. Um, I had an amazing experience one time when I was getting my coaching certification. We were doing, they would bring people in for free coaching and we were, we, they were kind of guinea pigs for us. So you, know, you were it's practicing. Like, it's like when you go to the, uh, the, uh, the uh, dental right, school and right, you get, you get really cheap dental haircuts, work, but right. yeah, it might not work out so well, right? So, um, and this woman, um, I was coaching her and um, she was having issues with her superiors all of her spears were strong men and she was having these issues. And it just kind of the question popped in my head. I said, what was your relationship like with your father? And her face just went, it just exploded. And she started, she started crying. crying. She started crying and she, she just made that connection like that. The struggles that she was having with all of her bosses was because of the relationship she had with her father. And, you know, I, the, the bad thing about that situation was that I didn't get to follow up and have more coaching sessions with her. So I don't know how it turned out. But I mean, she went out of there with a lot of great ideas and energy, I think, about how she might possibly fix that problem. Now, you mentioned that part of the coaching process is listening and, and kind of being somewhat of a detective to pick up cues that maybe mm -hmm. they're not not taking their words literally, but maybe there's a deeper meaning underneath it. Right. How do you transfer that training to teach someone else to be kind of that astute? Well, it's hard. You know, when I was getting my coaching certification, I was very, I was very excited because um, the, the, 
person who was leading the the course, you know, she said, you're a natural coach. She said, you're just really good at this. And I was like, wow, that's so great. That's so cool. And, you know, some people are really naturally good at it. They're, they're people, people. I'm, I'm an extreme extrovert that helps, <laughs> you know, cause, uh, it's kind of hard delving into somebody's, you know, psyche when you're, when you're kind of introverted and you're a little, you know, maybe shy on your own side. But, um, what I tell people is like, get a little bit out of your comfort zone, you know? So if you are an introvert, try to get to a situation where maybe you're, uh, you know, in a little more extroverted situation, get out of your comfort zone. Don't just stay where you're comfortable and what's easy for you, you know, push it. But with the coaching, it's really about training people to, to look, listen, and to kind of get out of their own heads and try to put themselves into the other person's head. That to be more empathetic. Yeah. I mean, be more empathetic, be more, um, in, um, more thoughtful, more, attentive. I think a lot of times sounds like my wife. <laughs> She's giving me this exact advice. So so this is good advice for to be a good coach or a or a good spouse. spouse. Well, well, so so I always give people I always give I always tell people in, in my coaching class I say, "Look, this this is great stuff to work to use in your daily life." I said, "Just be careful because if you go home and try to do this with your wife and she knows what you're doing, you're in big trouble." <laughs> so in an organizational setting and high change environment. Yeah. Are you finding people under the stress of change more coachable, less coachable, or is it all over the map? That's a great question. It's that all was a over fantastic the... question. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far. It was a good question. Um, no, I, I, it's all over the map. I mean, so, um, you know, I was having a conversation prior to this with one of the training pros folks, and she was asking me, you know, what's the big thing you can do to increase your success in a high change environment? And it's really making sure, and this sounds like a cliche, but it's making sure you have the right people on the right bus at the right time. And what I mean by that is you may go into a startup situation. You may have somebody who's really impactful and they're really, they're really driving change. But as you move to that next phase, that person's either not willing or not able to come along with you. And you, as, as a leader, you have to be able to re recognize a recognize that and, right. and B get comfortable with it, that that person may not be coming along on the journey. And that's really tough. Um, I had one situation and you, you would, you would think uh, that it was a CEO and it was, it was his executive assistant. And in a small company, um, people have different levels of impact than they might in a, in a larger company, sure. in a larger company, uh, an executive, you know, she's, she's the gatekeeper or he or she is the gatekeeper. They've got a lot of power and a lot of, a uh, lot of, influence over a, a small group of people. But when you're in a smaller environment, somebody like an executive assistant could have a, a really a large amount of impact. Yeah. And so this person did have a large amount of impact. And as we were growing and changing, she wasn't really of the mindset to move along with the change. And she was actually, because of her impact, she was actually becoming a, a huge negative force in the organization. So, you know, first, I, I had two battles there with the CEO. First was to convince him of the level of her impact. That was the first thing, you know. Oh, she's just she's just my assistant. I was like, well, yeah, but these people listen Not to her. Not in the eyes of everybody these else. These people right. listen to her, these right. people listen to her, you know. And and um, then I had to say, and and frankly, she's she's we can't take her along on the journey. She she's got to get off wow. the bus. And so that um, must have been a tricky it was, it was tough. Account, right? It was tough. It was tough. But you know, it's amazing how much impact one person can have. On, a, on an organization, you know, we all, we all try to say, you know, nobody is irreplaceable or nobody's, nobody's the, you know, if you're looking at a sports team, right, a sports team's not made up of one superstar, right? You can't just have a pitcher. You've got to have a catcher. You right. have outfielders and infielders. And it's the same thing in a company, but 
there are people who who definitely have high impact on a, on an organization, and sometimes that impact can be negative. All right, kudos to you for the candor, and I'm sure you were providing genuine value for this CEO. Were you an internal or external resource on this particular? I was internal. I was internal. Internal resource. You went to this executive. You told this person straight up the truth, and you still had he, a job he, after. He lived to tell about no, it. No, no, I don't want to make I don't want to make a, a small deal out of this because you know I've been in and around the consulting world a little bit myself, and I got to tell you that takes a heck of a lot of guts, self concept, self worth to do that. As an external consultant, much less an internal. I think it's easier as an external because they're like paying you for it and they're like saying, oh, this guy's going to tell me things I don't want to hear. I agree. It's got to be tough on an internal. Well, you know, you, I, I love your your lead into the to this show because you talk about passion. And, you know, one of the things I'm really passionate about is, is HR um, leaders as business leaders, you know, and I, I don't consider myself an HR person. I consider myself a business person first. I specialize in HR. That's, that's my area especially. But I, I have to think as a business leader, you know, as a business leader, I have to have the courage. I have to have kind of the managerial courage to to point out my job is to help the business and to impact the business. And if I see something that's not working and I don't point it out, I'm not doing my job and I might as well quit. I mean, that's just kind of my And you're okay with that because you like change. So, uh, well, uh, yeah, and I'll, 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 I'll drive change all day long. You know? Hey, we need, to, we need to change this up. I'm, Kevin's getting bored, you know? <laughs> He is really is a change junkie, but you also, I mean, you obviously have the the confidence that look, if if uh, my talents and my passion aren't going to be capitalized on fully here, then I'll go find someone else who needs and wants the help. I or at least I sense that. Yeah, I mean, I've gotten to situations and jobs <laughs> where I'm like, okay, this is getting a little boring. I think I need to find my next gig, and I don't want to. I don't want to come off as a, a job hopper because I don't feel that I am. But you know, I, I have to be challenged, and I have to be in an. I have to be in an environment where HR is valued. Um, mm-hmm. One of the one of the um, acid tests for me is if somebody contacts me about a job, I say, "Who does this position report to? Right. Who, who does the key? Who so does what's the top a, HR?" What's a red flag for you? Red flag is when it reports to the CFO. That's a red flag. Yeah, uh-huh. if you've got the top HR position reporting to the CFO, that to me is a huge red flag. That means you don't value HR. You just see it as a function. You want somebody who uh, you want the person who controls the money to to have a, a reign on HR. So to you, it's just a drag. If you have the C, if you have the crow, the CHRO reporting directly to the CEO, that's a good situation to me. Because then you have a seat at the table to really impact. You. Yeah, it's a cliche, a seat at the table, right? What I want is a voice. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've seen people who sit at the table and never talk. I want mm-hmm. I want a voice at the table. And that's an even different organization, even if it does report to the CEO. Yeah. So, you know, there's a continuum of HR, right? There's there's the personnel department, which is at one end of it, and that's the paper pushers. The other one is it where is where it's the business leader's confidant. It's it's the it's the number one advisor to the business leader, and they understand. You know, because to me, if you look at a company, what organization has has its fingers in all the pies, so to speak. What organization knows the organization mm-hmm. more than any other group in the whole company? It's HR. We're the nervous system of the company, of the of the organization. So, you know, if 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 you don't if you don't value that to that level, I, I think it, you're you're damaging your company. You're 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 not getting the maximum out of your company that you could. Now how often do you think that companies should kind of do these self awareness audits where you're kind of making sure that the people are in the right seats on the bus? That's a good question. I hadn't really thought of that. We call it the Richardson reality check. <laughs> wow. 
That's the wow. title of your new book, right? I won't be I won't be able to get out of the studio. My head is swelling up here. Um, no, um, that's a really good question. I, I I don't think there's a set timing for it. Organizations just like people grow at different paces, you know. So I think it's I think it's as the organization is kind of when 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 they start seeing a lot of growing pains. I think that's when you need to do the check. When you start seeing a lot of there's a lot of chaos or there's a lot of um, Maybe your turnover starts ticking up, or you know, you see. Yeah, people. are there markers? So those are the markers. Yeah, I mean, you're I mean, for? to me, when you see, kind of out of whack. When you see people starting to jump the bus, um, to me, that's <laughs> no, that's normally when people are either well. So th- that can be a good indicator or a bad indicator in a change environment to me. So it can mean it can mean you're losing the people who 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 don't want to change with you, right? Or it could mean you're not changing in the right way and you're losing the people you but need to keep. keep. Right. So, so I think that's one where, you know, you have to keep a really close eye on that. I think that's a leading indicator for sure of, of the next phase of change. Um, I think the other one is when you start, um, when things start breaking down, when processes start breaking down, because a lot of people go into a, a, into a startup and they're like, okay, well, we'll do it this way. And then as the company grows, that process, they outgrow that process, right? right? Either, either through, you know, organic growth or through complexity growth or merger or merger acquisitions, things like that. So, you know, you really need to be able to pay attention to kind of those indicators. And, you know, one of those is like, are, are, are we start, is our quality dropping off? You know, are we, are are a number of, or is our order time slipping and things like that? I think those are kind of indicators that, you know, you need to revisit your basic infrastructure and and re readjust or recalibrate for the next phase of growth. Well, it certainly sounds to me like it's a, a tremendous advantage to have someone like you or even a team of someone's like you in an organization to, to help navigate through these rough waters of change. But do you find yourselves, uh, in order to really pull it off long term and sustain it, do you find yourselves with a, a responsibility for helping you know, the, the line manager, the sales manager, the marketing guy, the, the, the lady who's running the line... You have to help them become better change management coaches, consultants, leaders, yes? Yeah, definitely. I think so. Because, you know, if you think about it, who's having the impact on the on the associates? It's the it's the frontline managers. If the frontline managers aren't bought into the change and if they aren't change agents, um, I, I, I frankly think your whole change initiative will fail, no matter how much you throw at it, because it really gets down to a great story. So the the leader of the business that I I run uh, today or I support today, he's a great man. He's a, he's an ex naval aviator. He's, he was in the Blue Angels. He was the lead pilot in the Blue Angels. Oh, wow. so super sharp cool. guy, super amazing guy. Anyway, he was telling this story. He gives this kind of leadership talk using the Blue Angel stuff, and he was telling the story about you know when they go on leave, right? He's he, it's going to be him and his chief petty officer, who's kind of like his second in command, and they're and all of the folks, and they're going to walk down to the end of the pier. And this guy, my, my leader, the commander, is going to turn to the left, and the petty officer is going to turn to the right. And he said, he said to the petty officer, who do you think everybody's going to follow? Are they going to follow me, or are they going to follow you? And the answer is, they're going to follow the, the petty officer, right? Because he's, he's the person that they trust. He's the person that they know on a day-to-day basis. And it's the same with line leaders. You know, the CEO can talk all he wants, and <laughs> you know, he, can, he can have videos, and he can have little blogs and he can have you know question and answer centers uh, um, sessions but when it really comes down to it the line man, line manager is where engagement happens and so if you're if you're trying to drive change 
you've got to make sure your line managers are prepared, that they have the talking points, that they're bought into the change because they can they can make or break you. Right. For sure. Because people don't quit jobs, right? They quit, they quit bosses, managers. They right? quit managers. That's true. Somebody write that down. <laughs> Somebody probably has in the past, right? So you find yourselves going out and building relationships with these line managers, learning about their perspective, the prism that they're viewing everything through. That there, There's a lot of that too, right? And harvesting their expertise to fold into your plan? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, You know, one of the things that kind of frustrates me about HR in general is that, you know, a lot of HR people feel like they don't need to know the business, right? They can just kind of sit in their office and and manage the HR function. And manage from the ivory tower? The ivory tower, that's a great way of putting it. You know, for me, the first thing I do when I get into business is I, I absorb, I'm very, I'm very, you know, I'm very curious. So I absorb everything I can about the business. I think the more information I know about the business, the better decisions I can make. And, you know, it's a great point of getting out and seeing what the perspective is. When I was working for a, a parking company, you know, I, I, put, I put into place uh, as part of the orientation process that all of the office people needed to go out and work the lot for a week. And it was because I didn't want them to sit in their corporate office and make decisions and right. plans without knowing what it what it was that what we did, like. right? right. What, what do we actually do as a business? So I think it's it's crucial that you get kind of the perspective of the front line and what what the where where does your business meet the customer? That's that's the that's the crucial point. So I think that if you if you, if you as an HR leader don't understand that and don't have that perspective, you're making decisions in a vacuum. You're 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 making blind decisions and therefore you know, your decisions are not going to be as good or as impactful as they would be. So the importance of this kind of bottom-up learning, like learning from the front lines and then letting that information migrate up, do you find that most companies embrace that? Or is that something that sounds good on paper, but let that's not right for us? Yeah, so let's, let's be honest and transparent here. Most companies talk a good talk. Um, most companies don't really follow through on it. You know, I think Biserve is actually a company where they, they do do that well. They do listen to the to the front line very well. But, you know, I think it is, it's part of my job as an HR leader is to get that information and carry it up, mm-hmm. you know, because sometimes our leaders can be disengaged. Right, not, because- not dis- I don't, disengage is not right, but they're, they're not as connected to to the front line as possible. That's why when I work, I, work, I wear whatever the, the, the employees are wearing. Uh, you know, so a lot of people will say, oh, you're wearing jeans again today. And I'm like, yeah, because I want to be I want to be accessible to the employees and the employees wear jeans. Uh, that's the best piece of advice I've heard so far, <laughs> <laughs> or at least my favorite piece of advice. I think you just like wearing jeans. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but speaking of advice and wisdom, is there a book in you? Because I, I sense you've got a lot of stuff we could commit to paper and really help some oh, folks man. with, huh? You're, you're very insightful. So, um, I'm actually, so my second dream is to be a writer. <laughs> so I'd love to write a book on coaching. Um, I'm, I'm actually, I love writing fiction, but I also would like to write some, some books. Yeah. And I've, I've got, I've got, I've got a, a pact with a couple of my HR buddies that we're going to sit down one day and write about all the wacky things that happen in <laughs> HR. Boy, do I have the some good, stories. The bad, the ugly. <laughs> so oh, we could just transcribe today's interview and, <laughs> and you, you'd have your uh, abstract anyway, probably, probably get a publishing deal out of that. So between now and when you release your new book, at which point you will come back in the studio and we will I'll uh, plug the book. make yeah, sure fo- folks know about it. What's on your plate? What are you excited about in, in, in the coming months that you're allowed to Tell us about it. You got yeah, any cool projects you're allowed to tell you about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <what? laughs> it's interesting. I've really gotten hooked on wellness lately. 
So I've been picked as kind of the wellness champion for the company. You're looking very well. Well, thank you. Thank you. I don't don't see a Fitbit or anything. (laughs) I have a Fitbit in my pocket. I do. I have one. Um, No, I actually, I actually used to um, back in 2007. I weighed 255 pounds, and uh, the radio audience probably can't tell, but I'm about six foot three, and I've got a heavy build. And but 255 is just a little too big for me, so I'm 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 down to about 215 now, and I'm trying to get down to 200. But yeah. Um, wellness. Um, I think wellness actually has the ability to have a huge impact on the company in terms of their benefit costs and the and the health and productivity of their workers. So that's one thing that I'm kind of excited about. Um, I'm also trying to pursue my uh, coaching uh, certification with the ICF, and so that's another thing that I'm. So really the coaching about. side of the business is really important to you. Yeah, I mean, hopefully nobody from my company is listening, but like <laughs> what I'd really like to do is is like open my own coaching practice and and coach. I just I get so much fulfillment out of coaching. It's it's incredible. I um I mean, I could, you know, I wouldn't need any drugs or any alcohol or <laughs> anything like that if I could just coach every day. Well, how about some uh free coaching or some foundational coaching tips for somebody that's about to consider going and working with a coach? How should that person approach that? That's a great question. So not not from the coach's perspective, right. from the coachee. Um, I would say be open, um, be honest, just as if you were going to a therapist's office, right? If you hold it, if you withhold information, you're not going to get a good product. Get the most right? out of it, right? Get the most out of the situation. You know, try to find points. You know, you really need to create a great or rapport with with the coach. The more you have that, the better. I think you, you, the better information you get out of the coach. Now, what's a symptom that I might need a coach or a person might need a coach? Oh, you do. <laughs> I know that. Part. It sounds like you've already been diagnosed. Uh, um, well, I, I think the if big... If other people tell you you need one, that's probably a symptom. <laughs> Either you need a coach or they need a coach. Right. And so, it's, yeah, um, I think, you know, one one big symptom is if, you, if, if you're finding stuff blocked, if you're, if you're not getting things done that you want to get done, you know, like I probably need a coach for my writing because I've been I wanted You've to been be talking a, about it a while. I've been wanting to be a writer for over twenty five years, and I've got like eight unfinished <laughs> books. <laughs> so maybe I need a coach on my writing. But it, you know, if you're blocked on something, you know, and mm-hmm. it, and it can be anything. You know, I I I don't know if it's my as was told. I, I'm a natural coach, or if I'm just a good listener. But all of my friends come to me for coaching, and I've mm-hmm. coached people through divorces. I've mm-hmm. coached people through illnesses. Um, but just like informally, just on you knowing stuff. Just in general, or you've gone through formal No, I mean, training? they've they've literally come to me and said, I need some help with this, and I know you could help me with it. Would you help me with it? And and you know, I, I'm I'm the perpetual I, I do a lot of pro bono career coaching. Um <laughs> but is that which something is probably that not good for starting a, a is practice. coaching something that can be done on that kind of an ad hoc way like Oh hey, yeah. I mean, you know, coach coaching can be in a in a in I can I can coach you with one question. Mm-hmm. That can be a coaching moment. And you know, that's what one of the things I tell my um managers when I'm training them is I'm like, look. It's great to have like a, a big formal process and to use the grow model and to use the live model. And, you know, it's great to have that. And you sit down, and you set aside time. I said, but, you know, a lot of the coaching that you do is going to be done in the, I call it hallway coaching, right? It's going to be as you're passing and somebody mm-hmm. says, you know, oh, wow, you know, I'm really struggling with this. Well, have you thought about that? Oh, wow. No, I hadn't thought about that. And then that's a coaching moment. And that, right. that can have as much impact as sitting down with somebody for two hours and right. working them through a whole structure. Well, I can tell you, hanging out with you for a half hour, just visiting about the topic of coaching, the topic of, of change, I feel coached. I mean, I feel that much better prepared to 
work through some of the trials that we have here in our business. So you can send them an invoice, Kevin. Yeah, just I was, <laughs> was going to say, I'll, I'll drop my card off, and uh, if you give me your address, I'll send you an invoice. Well, it has been an absolute delight. I For am me as well. so glad that you came down to visit with us, and, and let's do it again, and let's don't wait till you release your, your book. Let's <laughs> come back and, and, and visit with us again sometime soon. This has really been a lot of fun and, and very informative for, for me. Well, great. I'm glad to hear it. All right. I until, had fun, too. Until next time, this is Stone Payton for Lee Cantor and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Learning Insights. 